Welcome to all those joining us for Chaim Aran. We apologize, we had some technical difficulties. That's why we're starting a little bit late. We dedicate the learning today for a complete refuah shalema for all those that need it, including Yehudis Baschana, Chayabrocha Basperel, Yaakov Yehoshua ben Freindel Rechel, Shlomenisim ben Mazal, Avram David ben Chana, Hindachasa Baschana, Gitgenendel Basipoira, Eitan Yoel ben Edna, Tuvietzvi ben Chayaliza, Besoich Shar Choyle Yisrael. Also David Leib ben Shena, Avigail Brocha ba Shirad Voira, Shirad Voira ba Smiriam, Jonas ben Hilda, Besoich Shar Choyle Yisrael. We're continuing in Chaim Aran. We're up to paragraph 19 in this section of Sichos HaShayochem LaToyrois. The discussions and the, the stories revolving the chapters in Likut Imran. Chapter 25 in Likut Imran, which interestingly, 25 is the date of Hanukkah, the 25th of Kislev. And this chapter of Likut Imran is the one upon which Rav Nosenzal, in his Sefer Likut Alochis, bases the first law of Hanukkah. His first discussion on the topic of Hanukkah is based on this chapter on Likut Imran. In this chapter, Rabbein Azal speaks about a number of things, but the most, most basic things that he speaks about are, number one, realizing that there's Seichel and there's Medame. There's true intellect, and then there's imagination, fantasy, which sometimes seems like Seichel, but it's not. It's not real. And Rabbi Nezal says that it's our mission to take ourselves out of Medama and to bring ourselves into Seichel. That's one major point that he makes there. And another major point is that even when a person is in Seichel, a person needs to know that a Jew has to constantly be climbing, going up from level to level, higher and higher, every single day trying to advance, go higher and higher. Rab Nosenzal in Likutei Alochus there shows that this is what Hanukkah is all about. Hanukkah, there's two basic miracles. There's the miracle of the Jews defeating the Greeks. The Jews, we represent Torah, which is true Seichel, and the Greeks represent Medame, imagination, their culture, which, which emulates true intellect, but it's not, but it's not. And this battle against, from the Seichel against the Medame, and then number two, the miracle on Hanukkah, finding this small amount of oil, less than a day's supply of oil, and a miracle that it, it keeps growing. Every single day it gets more and more. The light gets stronger and stronger. The first day one candle, the second day two candles, three candles. We keep increasing the light, just as Rabbi Nezal says there on the Kutimran, that a Jew's mission in this world is to keep growing every single day. So now, when Rabbi Nezal said, Rabbi Nezal said that as a person, just as when a person wants to get out of Medame into Seichel, they have to deal with forces of Tumah, Klippos, obstacles that try to block the person from entering into true Seichel. So to each time a person tries to go to a new level, they encounter a new battle against the Klippos on that level, the forces of Tumah, the obstacles on that level, and a person has to be prepared to battle with them, to defeat them, 
in order to be able to get on to that new level. So when Rabbein Zal said this chapter, Rav Zal points out, Rabbein Zal said that even a person who's in the lowest, lowest places spiritually, all the way deep in the ground, when that person decides to get out of there, they have to go through a methodical step-by-step, climbing a ladder step-by-step, and on each level, the person encounters obstacles and has to be able to deal with it, has to be able to know that these aren't the obstacles that he dealt with before. This is a whole new set of obstacles, new set of challenges, which if the person will make a sincere effort, they can definitely succeed. Now, paragraph Chof, Rav Zal skips to chapter 29 in Likut Imran, which is a shear that Rav Zal gave on Shavuos of the year 5,561. And Rav Zal says, that's when Rav Zal for the first time put on white, a white kittle, like similar, a white bekesha, something like what we wear on Rosh Hashanah, that white kittle, and, and he included that in, in, in the chapter on Likut Imran. He spoke about the concept of white garments versus garments that have stains on them. And Rabbi Nezal explained it on a very deep level. In addition, one of the people that came to Rabbi Nezal for Shavuos brought his daughter, a young girl, that was suffering from epilepsy. In Hebrew, it's called Choyli Neufel. And that person also brought a gift of wine to Rabbein Azal for Shavuos. And Rabbein Azal writes, all of this was included in chapter 29 in Likut Imran, the shir that Rabbein Azal gave on that Shavuos. He spoke about what causes epilepsy and, and the refuah for it. And he spoke about the importance of drinking wine, Bikdusha. And Rabbein Azal says there were other incredible things that we saw in that shir that Rabbein Azal gave that Shavuos, besides the things that we don't know about, that we didn't see, Rabbein Azal made a mention, he mentioned that this chapter on Likut Imran is also against Napoleon, the f- France, which was going through a major war at the time, and there was a major debate among the tzaddikim as to who is better for the Jewish people, whether it was better that France should win, that Napoleon should win, or the other side. And Rabbein Azal, in this chapter, he quotes a pasuk, Kesef Nivchar L'Shoin Tzadik, that the, the words coming off the tongue of a tzaddik are like the choicest silver, like pure silver. And Rabbein Azal said the last letters of these four words, Kesef, Nivchar, Lashon Tzadik, spell the word Frank. Frank is the coinage of France, Franks, French Franks, and also in Yiddish, they refer to the country, the land of France, as Frankreich. And in that chapter on Ikut Imran, Rabbein Azal speaks about money, he speaks about Tikkun Hakloli, and he speaks about the tikkun hakloli for business, that the tikkun hakloli for business is tzedakah, 
when a person is giving tzedakah charity, and when a person's intention in doing business, the most important thing that I have in mind in earning a livelihood is that the choicest money is the money that I'm going to be giving to tzedakah, my miser, my tenth, my chomish, whatever level a person is on. And Rabbi Nezal said there that this is the tikkun akloli, this is a tikkun for all of a person's money, that when a person gives tzedakah properly, then all of the person's money goes into the category of Kiddusha, holiness, and bracha. In addition, Rabbi Nezal speaks about tikkun hadibur. So there he, he spoke about the tikkun for money. In addition, he speaks about the tikkun for dibur, for speech. And that the tikkun for dibur is to speak praises of Hashem, to speak praises of the tzaddikim, shvochoi shel tzaddikim, that by a person speaking the praises of tzaddikim, this is also something that purifies a person's speech so that the person should not speak what they're not supposed to, and the words coming out of their mouth should have true meaning, true significance. Interesting, one of the major commentaries on Likud Imran, Reb Nachman Chirin, in his Sefer Parparois L'Chachma, the commentary Parparois L'Chachma, expounds on this. And he, he elaborates and says that it's known that in France, I'm not sure if it's true today, but in France in those days, it was against the law to give charity. Literally against the law. The only way a person had to do different tricks to get around it by selling something to the person, and let's say the thing was valued at 20 francs, and the person paid 100 francs, that was a way of the person giving the extra 80 francs to, to charity, that kind of thing. But again, that France had certain issues. The issue of Tzedaka, in addition, it's brought the issue of Pigama Bris, was more prevalent in France than in other countries. A lack of purity in the relationship between men and women, and also... In Sipuri Maisius, in this Rabbeinazal stories, in the last story of the seven betlers, there Rabbeinazal speaks about a country where this country decided that the most important thing is languages, the ability to speak, speak eloquently. And Rabbeinazal says there they chose a crazy Frenchman, a Meshuganet Sarfati, as their leader, because they saw that he can speak in all kinds of interesting ways. And Rabbi Nachman Shirin points out that, that they saw that he knows many languages. And we know that Rabbi Nezal teaches us that many languages are defective. The Jewish language, Loshna Kodesh, is called the holy language. And, and usually the other languages we refer, we refer to as Lashon Ilgim, Unfortunately, they're languages that, that don't have that holiness to them. We know that on Yantif, we say that Hashem has chosen us from all the nations, and He elevated us. He elevated us, He gave us the language of Loshon Kodesh, which is above the languages of all the other nations. Now, Rav Nosan adds that during that Shavuos, when Rav Nosan gave this shir, and he spoke about the fact that if a person, the way that a person purifies their speech is by speaking the praises of tzaddikim, there was a wealthy person among Rabbeinazal students who had a major conflict with some high-ranking people that were close to the czar. 
And what happened was, he had supplied them with a large amount of flour, and they were, they were dissatisfied with it. And they were very angry at him. And besides penalizing him financially, they were, they were planning on hurting him, seeing to it that he would be hurt in other ways also. And when Rabbein Zal gave this shear on Shavuos, this person listened very carefully, and he heard Rabbein Zal's words that by praising tzaddikim, a person could be zeicher, that their words should be effective, that when they speak, people should listen to what they have to say. And he realized that this is what he needs. He has to go right after Shavuos, he has to go meet these high-ranking officers, and he's got to try to be able to convince them that this wasn't intentional, that they shouldn't want to destroy him. So what he did was, immediately after Shavuos, he traveled to Vinitsa, the city of Vinitsa, where he was supposed to meet with them. And while he was traveling, he spoke where he had to stop off at different inns along the way. He spoke to the owner of the inn. He told over stories about Rabbi Nezal, telling the great things about his Rebbe, Rebbe Nachman. And so too, when he arrived in Vinitsa also, until he met with these people, he continued to tell stories about Rabbi Nezal. And Rabbi Nezal is because even the regular people, not just the Rabbonim, but even Rabbi Nezal's regular students had a lot to say about Rabbi Nezal. They had absorbed many, many important things, stories and other things that they were able to tell over. And what happened was, as soon as he went and met with them and spoke to them and explained to them all the reasons for why this had happened, they accepted what he said they received him with tremendous respect, and he was saved from any type of sakona. And Rabbi Nezal points out that this was Rabbi Nezal's derech very often, that when people came to him with a crisis, with a major problem, the t- Rabbi Nezal would say Torah, and in the Torah was included the solution to their problem. Any questions? On the contrary, I see in the, in the, in the chat, the person says, does the fact that the last letters of this pasuk kesev nivcha l'shein tzaddik, uh, speaking about the speech of the tzaddik, it spells the word Frank. Does that mean Rabbi Nezal thought it would be better for friends to win? On the contrary, he was implying that they are the opposite of this, that the French language and their culture was the opposite of tzaddik, it was the opposite of tikkun abris, and, and again, it was the opposite of the Tikkun HaKloli for money. It was the opposite against charity. And because of that, he did not want them to win. And Rabbi Nelson Zal mentions, it's mentioned in the commentary, that sure enough, shortly afterwards is when Napoleon had his downfall. Good question. Go ahead. Can, can, can we get this connection from the Tzaddik straight from Rabbeinu Zal? Or do we have to have intermediary tzaddikim today that we connect with that are alive tzaddikim? Or we can go straight to the source from Rabbi Nachman, from Rabbi Nuzal Sfarim. And it's like they say, you know, they used to go to him for the chizik and get a pasuk. And in the pasuk was the... I find I get that a lot in his Sfarim, in Rabbi Nuzal Sfarim. Can I get that straight or I have to have the connection to alive tzaddikim? The answer that I'd like to give is both. That a person studying the Sfarim with sincerity can see things in this forum, very often can draw advice and guidance 
from the Sfarim, from what the person is learning at the time. Very often, if a person is learning with sincerity, they'll find that the things that they're learning sometimes are directly related to things going on in their life and give them advice and guidance of how to deal with it. However, sometimes not everybody's on the same level, and sometimes a person can benefit from someone who's more advanced, more knowledgeable, both in the Sfarim and in addition in the traditions around the Sfarim, stories and things that occurred with Rabbeinazal, with other tzaddikim, that sometimes can help the person also. Rab Nachman Shirin, who was one of Rab Nosanzal's greatest students, in his commentary on Likud Imran, in those chapters where Rab Nosanzal speaks about coming close to the tzaddik, he says, for us, where Rab Nosanzal is our tzaddik, the way that we practice that today, the way we practice coming close to the tzaddik, is in basically three directions. Number one is, when we have the opportunity to visit his kever, that's one of the ways of making a very strong connection to the tzaddik, going there, reciting the tikkun akloli, giving the stock on his behalf, and really opening up ourselves completely, really telling Hashem everything that's going on in our lives, everything that we need help, and asking Hashem to help us in the merit of the tzaddik. That's one of the ways. Another way is by learning his sfarim, learning his forum and promoting this forum, spreading this forum. And a third way is through his students, by coming close to the students of Rabbi Nezal, those who really follow his teachings and, and benefiting from them. These are the three ways that a person gets this, this type of closeness. Thank you. This Milo of giving tzedakah, is it a bigger Milo to be by the kever when you give the tzedakah? Or you could give the listen, right? Like there definitely is a benefit in doing it there. Rabbeinazal did say, Come to my kever and recite these ten kapitlach there and give stock on my behalf, do it over there, at least to set aside the money over there. A person can give it later to wherever they want. But to, to say that I'm setting aside this money for tzedakah on behalf of the neshama of Rabbi Nezal, a person definitely can do this at any time. But there definitely is a benefit, a greater benefit, when a person is to actually be there. Question? Now, what happened to the person? Does anybody know what happened to the person that he broke his daughter? She was wife? cured. The question: What happened to that girl that had the epilepsy? She was cured. She had a refua. And again, this appears in chapter. This discussion appears in chapter twenty-nine in Likut Imran. There's a tefillah, a corresponding tefillah, to tefillah number twenty-nine in Likutei Tefillahs that includes this where there's a tefillah there. We know that there are people today that suffer from epilepsy or things like that, convulsions, things like that. And in that chapter, Rabbi Nezal addresses this topic. Halavai, the fact that we're speaking about it should bring about a refuah shalema for all those that need it in this specific item and in all items. Paragraph 21. The next chapter in Likut Imran that Rabbi Nezal speaks about is chapter 30 in Likut Imran which is one of the major Torahs, which was said by Rabbi Nezal on Shabbos Hanukkah of the year 5,567 at Shalashudas, 
which is when Rabbein Ezal spoke often. And he began the, the shir quoting the pasuk, that the, the opening pasuk of the Torah portion that we read usually on Shabbos Hanukkah, which is Parshas Miketz. Vayihi Miketz Shnosayim Yomim Uparoi Choyleim, speaking about the dream of Paroi. And however, usually Rabbein Zal will start with a pasuk, he'll go into a lengthy discussion, and then tie it back to the pasuk. In this case, he presented a major, major long chapter on Likut Imran, but he didn't tie it back to the pasuk. And on Moitzoi Shabbos, after Havdalah, Rabbein Zal was speaking to his students, and he said that if, if he would want to take this shear that he gave and tie it back to the pasuk, he'd have to say another long Torah, he'd have to speak for another two hours or so in order to be able to do it. Then Rabbein Hazal made sort of a joke and he said that right now I'm like a person whom they, they order him to be beaten in all four directions, all four directions of the city. And they had no idea what Rabbein Hazal was referring to. Rabbein Hazal says, but afterwards I remember that in that shear, Rabbein Hazal speaks about the Malchus, the attribute of Malchus of Hashem, and how very often we refer to the Malchus as the letter Dalid. Because Dalid, the way we pronounce the letter Dalid, Dalit is like the word Dalus, poor, poverty. And we know that the Malchus is usually referred to as poor because Melech is not something that a person has on their own. Malchus is something which is dependent on others. If others choose to accept my authority on them, then I'm a Melech. The moment they decide that they don't accept my authority, I'm no longer Melech. So Malchus is something that has nothing of its own. It receives from others. And Rabbein Hazal in that chapter on Likut Imran speaks about the, the letter Dalid representing Malchus, and he speaks about the four kingdoms of the Goyim, the four basic exiles that the Jewish people went through, which are the Golis of Bovel, the Golis of Parasumodai, the Golis of Yavon, and the Golis of Edoim, or Romi, that we're going through today. These are referred to as the four kingdoms of the Sitra Achra. And over there in that chapter in Kutuman, Rabbi Nezal says that sometimes the holy kingdom, the Malchus of Kedusha, falls into the hands of the Sitrachra, the other side. It falls into the hands of these four kingdoms of the Sitrachra. And our mission is to take it out of there, to extricate it of, from there and restore it to the domain of Kedusha. We find, interestingly, we know that before those exiles, the Jews were in Golis in Mitzrayim, in Egypt. And there, when the Torah speaks about the exile of Mitzrayim starting, it says, Vayhi bayomim horabim hohem. It was after the Jews had been in Egypt for a long time, a new king rose up, and this king was against the Jewish people. He was concerned that the Jewish people are going to rebel, and therefore we have to impose taxes, and we have to enslave them, and etc., etc., the Mephoshim bring, I believe it's the Megala Mukas that says that the word Rabim over there, Vahibayim Horabim Ohem, the four letters of the word Rabim allude to these four exiles. The Resh is Roimi, the Golis of Rome, or Edoim, which is the Golis we're in today. The Beis is Bovel, the Yud is Yavon, and the Mem is Modai, Porasumodai. That's one 
example of this, there's another example on Friday night. We recite a chapter of Tehillim, the first, the opening paragraph in Kabbalah Shabbos, Lechun We say at the end of that paragraph, Hashem says, Asher Nishbati Bi'api, I have sworn in my anger, Im Yevoyun El Menuchasi. That, that the Jewish people will not come to my resting place, meaning to Eretz Yisrael. The word biapi, again, the Bey stands for Bovel, the Aleph is Edoim, the Pei is Poras, because the Golis of Persia is called Poras and Modai, and the Yud is Yavon. So again, in these words is Marumas, these four Goliaths. And Rabbeinu Zal elaborates on this over there in that chapter on the Kutimran, and so he commented afterwards that I'm like a person who they, there's a decision to hit him in all four directions. Rabbi Nelson Zal said, I reminded myself afterwards that Rabbi Nelson speaks about cutting away the Malchus, which is the Dalid, from the four kingdoms of the Sitra Achra. And we're also told that when Shaul HaMelech was given the mission to wipe out the nation of Amalek, and he did not complete the mission properly, and he allowed the king of Amalek to survive. And when Shmuel Anavi was told about this by Hashem, it says that Shmuel Anavi came and he rebuked Shola Melech and he took Agag and he killed him. And the, the Gemara says, Chot He cut him into four. Chot means he cut him into four. And Chot also means he cut the Dalid that by killing Agag, the, the king of Amalek, and Amalek is considered to be the king of all 70 nations, by doing this he was cutting away the Dalit, the Malchus, separating the holy Malchus from the Sitra Achra, and, and restoring it, bring it back into Kedusha. Rabbi Nassim says, could be Rabbi Nassim was hinting to the fact that he has to suffer, he suffers four times, in order to be able to accomplish removing this Dalid from the four kingdoms of the Sitra Achra. Any questions? Paragraph Chav Beis. Rav Nosanzal says, I was once speaking to Rav about chapter 34 in Likud Imran, which is titled, V'atem Tiuli Mamleches Koyanim. In that chapter, Rav speaks about the incredible, the greatness of the tzaddik, that, that the tzaddik, the Gemara says in Moed Kotten, that Hashem says, I rule over everything. And who rules over me? Umi Moishobi. Who rules over me? The tzaddik. tzaddik as the Pasuk says, tzaddik Salikim. The Gemara says, Hashem says, I issue a decree, and the tzaddik has the authority to override the decree sometimes. So in that chapter on Likut Imran, one of the major topics is the topic of the tzaddik. Rav Nosanzal says that Rav Nosanzal told me that in this chapter on Likut Imran, a person can see all the different tzaddikim of the generation and what level, the, what level each and every single one of them is on and what their, what their outstanding qualities are. Paragraph Chaf Gimel. In this paragraph, Rav Nosanzal speaks about one of the famous chapters in the Kutimran, chapter 52, which is one of the major chapters where Rav Nosanzal speaks about the topic of Hispoididus. 
which means private, personal prayer to Hashem in your own words. And Rabbein Azal bases that shir on a Mishnah in Pirkei Avos, where the Mishnah says a person who's awake at night and, 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 and nullifies, empties his heart, he becomes part of the Chiyuv HaMetzius. And Rav Zal says, this Torah was said when Rav Zal first met Rav Zal in the year 5,563. And in this Torah, Rav Zal says, I witnessed what the Pasuk says, that sometimes a person does something and then he hears about it. Then he hears that this item is actually part of the Torah. Because Rav Zal actually fulfilled this first on his own before he heard about it from Rav Zal. He had heard about speaking to Hashem personally, and he thought, when is the best time that I can really do this and concentrate? It's only at night, when everybody's sleeping and it's quiet. And then he thought, where is the best place to do this? In the house, in the city, there's hustle bustle. The best place is I have to go out of the city, go out into the fields, a place over there where it's completely quiet and where people don't even go there during the day. And there I could really, really nullify myself to Hashem. I could really pour out my heart to Hashem completely and achieve like a, an incredible level of dvekus, deep connection to Hashem. So shortly afterwards, Rab Zal came to Rabbein Zal, and Rabbein Zal, with his incredible Ruach HaKodesh, he understood what Rab Zal was doing, and he revealed this chapter in Likudim Aran, where Rabbein Zal explains how this is the best, this is the best time and the best place to have his poiridus. And Rab Zal, in hearing these words and hearing how Rabbein Zal showed how this is hinted to in that mission in Pirkeiovos. Rav Zal just went wild and he, he screamed, Givald, I'm going to run in the streets and I'm going to tell everybody, what are you thinking? What are you doing? Wake up! And, and, and it's written here that he, he almost lost control of himself. He was so excited. And Rav Zal grabbed him by his, by his lapel and told him, stay here, you're not going to accomplish anything. That's not how you're going to convince people to do this, by, by going out and yelling like that in the street. But this chapter is, is an incredible, one of the Isaitas, one of the places where Abenazal really goes into detail about what, what his spiritus is really all about, how a person is supposed to look inside of themselves and examine things that they think, feel need to be corrected, and devote a certain amount of time, a few days, a few weeks, whatever it is, to focusing on that particular midah. If it's kas, if it's taiva sachila, if it's gaiva, whatever it is. And then, when a person feels that they've given it all they have, then to go on to the next thing, and keep going from one thing to the next, to really pour out their heart to Hashem and speak about it, until the person feels that they've succeeded in getting somewhere with that item, and then move on to the next item. And then Rabbi Nezal concludes over there that after a person finishes with everything, then the person has to realize 
that there could be a hidden gaiva in the person, that the person feels arrogant and great, look how holy I am, look how pure I am. And that's the final thing that a person has to really work on, to eliminate every last trace of gaiva, of arrogance, and to, to nullify themselves completely Tashem, like the great Sadiqim did, like Avram Avin was able to say, I'm dust and ashes before Hashem. Or Dovr HaMelech who said that before Hashem I'm like a worm. Or Moshe Rabbeinu who was able to say we're nothing. When he spoke about himself and Aaron HaKoyim, when the people were complaining to them, you're in charge, why were Moshe Rabbeinu said, I'm in charge, we're nothing. And that's what a person is trying to get to. A person is trying to get to a level where Hashem is everything and I am not. I am not. That I, I believe by Munashlema that Hashem is in control of everything and Hashem is doing everything. Hashem wants me to, to make an effort, but to realize that the one who's really completing everything and accomplishing everything in this world is Hashem. Any questions, please? Paragraph Chavdale 24. Rab Nosanzal says. Once, my friend Rab Naftali and I came to Rabbeinazal close to Shavuos of the year 5,565 and Rabbeinazal said to us, right now I don't know anything. I know nothing. The only thing that I've, I've come to realize now is that through the Loshon Hara in the world, when people are speaking Loshon Hara, people are speaking bad about other people, this causes tzaddikim not to be able to have genuine humility. And we find Rabbi Nezal speaks about this in chapter 194, I'm sorry, 197 in Likuti Imran. Rabbi Nezal shows there that we find that Moshe Rabbeinu was an exception to this. That by Moshe Rabbeinu, the Torah tells us that his sister Miriam spoke Loshon Hara about Moshe Rabbeinu to her brother. And despite that, the Pasuk says afterwards, Vohaish Moshe onav moid mikol odom, that Moshe Rabbeinu still was the most humble person that ever lived, showing that he was so great by him, the humility was so, so powerful that even Loshon Hara couldn't, couldn't affect, couldn't damage, couldn't harm his humility. Now we know that the examples of Loshon Hara, the Maraglim, Rachman Litzlan, the Maraglim who spoke negatively about Eretz Yisrael, or the cases where people speak Loshon Hara against Sadikim, we know that the, the Rabbein Hassan and Rabbein Hassan speak about this, how careful a person has to be when speaking about Eretz Yisroel. That Hashem describes Eretz Yisroel as his country, his domain. And the Torah says, <laughs> that Eretz Yisroel is not lacking in anything. So a Jew has to be careful that if ever we see things that are bothering us or troubling us about Eretz Yisroel, or if a person thinks that there are other places that are better than Eretz Yisrael in any kind of way, to be extremely, extremely careful not to say those kind of things, not, not to think those kind of things, not to say those kind of things, because chas v'shom, the person is putting themselves in the shoes of the Maraglim, those people who spoke against the holiness of Eretz Yisrael. And certainly to be careful 
not to speak against any tzaddikim, not to speak negatively about tzaddikim, or to avoid any Loshon Hara against any Jew. So now, Rabbi Nezal said, but more than that, I don't know anything now. And he said to us, just like you don't know, I also, right now, I don't know anything. And Rabbi Nezal told us that right now, I conduct myself with tremendous simplicity. I get up in the morning, I daven, afterwards I learn a little bit, afterwards I say some tehillim, afterwards I eat, and then I rest a little bit, and then I get up and speak to Hashem in my own words. And Rabbi Nezal said, and I have tremendous pity on myself. In Yiddish he said, I have pity on myself. And Rabbi Nezal says that Rabbi Nezal said these words with incredible simplicity and with an incredible broken heart, like a person who has nothing, a person who hasn't accomplished anything at all in his life, to the point where anybody who heard him saying those words was able to see and realize the tremendous Rahmanis that Rabbi Nezal felt on it for himself as if he's the most furthest person away from Hashem, as if he's the poorest of the poor person spiritually. Then Rabbi Nezal went on to say that he had a dream, and in the dream it was Shavuos, and all of his students had gathered him like they usually did for the holiday of Shavuos, and Rabbi Nezal couldn't speak. He couldn't give a shir. And he insulted us and rebuked us, and he said, it's all because of us, because we're so much into Gashmias, because we're so much into materialism and everything, that's why he, he has nothing to say to us. And he rebuked us a lot, and as a result of that, we were all aroused to a sincere tshuva, and then afterwards, Rabbi Nezal revealed an incredible, incredible Torah. And Rabbi Nezal said, we understood that in the dream was revealed to him this Torah, this incredible deep Torah. Afterwards, we were, we were by Rabbi Nezal for Shavuos, and then he revealed chapter 56 in Likud Imran, which is again one of the long, outstanding, outstanding chapters of Likud Imran, where he begins by saying that every single Jew has a Bechina of Malchus, an aspect of leadership. There's a person who's the leader in his house. There's a person who's a leader of a, of a group of people. There's a person who's a leader of a city. Different levels of Malchus. And, and in that Torah, Rabbi Nezal also said that sometimes this is visible and sometimes it's invisible. Sometimes we can see that this person is in charge and sometimes we don't see it necessarily. We don't see who's really in charge, who's the real melech, who's really at the controls. But And, and in, a, in a visible way, it seems as if the government, let's say, is the one making the decisions and leading everything. But in reality, they don't know that hiddenly it's the tzaddikim who are really pulling all the strings. They're the ones who are really making all the decisions and controlling everything that happens. And Rabbi Nezal said there that there is an individual where even though in a revealed way he doesn't seem to have any big authority, despite that, hiddenly, he's ruling over everyone. 
And Rav Nassim says, afterwards, Rav actually said, to you, it seems to you, my students, that I'm only, I'm only your rabbi, I'm only your leader. But in actually, I rule even over all the tzaddikim of the generation. It's just that it's not visible. It's not openly, it's not hidden, it's not bizgalia, it's bizkasia. An additional major topic that Rabbi Nezal spoke about in that Torah is he was speaking about the ways of Hashem that there are times, there are things that we cannot understand. Just like the Gemara tells us that there are certain instances where the rabbis have a debate about something and one person says A and the other person says B which seem to be completely different and yet the Gemara says Elu vo'elu that both of them are really the word of Hashem. Even though this tzaddik, we follow his opinion, the halacha is like him, and the other tzaddik, the halacha is not like him, we don't follow his opinion. But still, the Gemara says, Elu v'elu They are both the word of Hashem. And in fact, these three words, divrei elikim chaim, the words of the living Hashem, the first letters are Dalid Aleph Ches, which spell the word Echod, one. That to us, when we're learning this Gemara, we're learning this Halacha, it seems as if these are two different opinions. But in actuality, they're one. And there are some cases where Rabbi Nezal, Rabbi Nezal, other tzaddikim, are able to show us this, to give us insights, to show us that these two rabbis aren't really arguing but rather they're talking about two different circumstances. These rabbis really agree 100%. It's just one is talking about a particular situation, the other one is talking about a different situation. We have the case in the Gemara, for example, where there's a debate between Rabbi Shimon Bar Yechoi and Rabbi Shmuel. Rabbi Shimon Bar Yechoi says that a Jew should devote himself completely, only to Torah and Tefillah. What about work? What about parnasa? Other people will do it. Other people will do it. If a person is learning Torah properly and davening properly, they don't have to work. Rabbi Shmuel said, Toiv Torah Derecheretz, that a person should combine both Torah and earning a livelihood, working. So the Gemara says there were many that tried to do like Rabbi Shema Barichoi and they failed. And there were many that tried to do like Rabbi Shmuel, and they were successful. So now the question is, if, if, if Rabbi Shmuel's way was success, Rabbi Shimon Bar Yechoi didn't understand this, didn't know this? The answer, one of the answers that's given is that Rabbi Shimon Bar Yechoi was not speaking to the many. He was speaking to the few. That there's one in a thousand that's qualified to be sitting and learning full-time to devote himself completely to avoid this Hashem, that person, if he does it properly, will not have to work. Hashem will see to it that his parnosa is provided for. But for the many, for the majority, most people are not on that level. For them, the advice of the Torah is to combine learning and working, to have fixed times for learning and davening, to make sure to do their best, to, to use a few hours a day for Torah and tefillah, and to devote some time to earning a livelihood, to parnasa, and the combination of two, being busy with both of these, will help the person avoid committing sins. So now, 
Rabbein Azal said that this concept of Elu Veilu Divriel Kimchaim is something that we cannot understand. Rabbein Azal over there in that chapter, in Kutuman chapter 56, refers to this like thunder. And Rabbein Azal says, later on, after Rabbein Azal finished giving the Shia, later on in that night, he spoke about this further, and he said that even if you'll find in Sifrei Kabbalah that they try to answer this question, how it's possible for two completely opposite opinions to be one. They, they want to try to explain that the reason why this one takes a, a lighter view and this one takes a stricter view is because this tzaddik, his neshama comes more from the side of chesed and therefore he's more lenient, whereas the other tzaddik, his neshama comes more from the side of gevur, din, and therefore he's stricter. And that's why really it's all the word of Hashem. And we find that the Arizal, in his Sefer Shara Gilgulim, in chapter 34, the Arizal speaks about this. But Rabbein Azal said, still, these are not real answers to someone who really understands this. Rabbein Azal said, let somebody give me an answer to this. Let somebody try to sell me an answer. Meaning that the truth is that right now in this world, we cannot really understand this. Because this one says you're allowed to eat this. This one says that this is kosher, you're allowed to eat it. And this one says it's treif, you're not allowed to eat it. How is it possible that both of them are, are right? Both of them are telling the truth since each one is saying the opposite of what the other one is saying. And Rabbi Nassau wanted us to realize that the answers that are given, the answers that are given in philosophy, that for sure is nothing, are not real answers. But even, even the answers that are offered in some of the Sifrei Kabbalah, Rabbi Nassau wanted us to understand that these answers are weak and a person who's smart enough has the ability to, to show that these answers don't really answer the question. And therefore, the attitude that we have to have regarding these kind of things, these kinds of paradoxes, certain things that come up in Limur Torah, where something seems to be a contradiction and we can't understand it, we need to rely on emuna. We need to know that if this is what the Torah says, if the Torah says it's really one, I believe it 100%. Even though I can't explain it rationally, and even if people are going to try to offer rational explanations, there are going to be people that are going to be able to destroy those, those, those explanations. So therefore, regarding these things, we rely purely on emuna to believe that the words of the Torah are 100% accurate, just that there are certain things that we today cannot understand. Another example of this is Yediyah and Bechira, the famous question of how it's possible that Hashem knows right now what I'm going to be doing tomorrow. Hashem knows 100% factually what I'm going to be doing tomorrow. And yet the Torah tells us that tomorrow I have 100% free choice to choose the right thing or the wrong thing. How is that possible when Hashem knows already a day before or a thousand years before exactly what's going to take place? And there are different forums that try to explain this. Rabbein Azal said, this is not for us currently in this world, that the answer to this will only become available in the future. 
And another question, it seems, Rabbi Nezal spoke about in the beginning of the Arizal Sefer Eitz Chaim, which is the opening Sefer of the Kisvi Arizal. There's a question that the Arizal presents there, and one of the commentaries, the Shari Ganeiden, which is one of the commentaries on the writings of the Arizal, attempts to answer that question. And Rabbi Nezal said, a person who's smart will be able to see that the answer is very weak. And the Shari Ganeiden himself concludes at the end that up to here we can try to sort of explain it, but above this we're not allowed to delve into this at all. So Rabbi Nezal said, if that's the case, then we would have been better off not trying to explain it to begin with, not going into this to begin with. Why enter into these kind of questions which we today cannot understand? With our human intellect, and a person's not allowed to delve into them, but rather to rely simply on emuna regarding these types of things. A question in the chat that we mentioned that when Rabbi Nezal spoke, gave the shir in chapter 34 in Likut Imran, he said to Rabbi Nezal that a person studying this chapter well will be able to see in it all the different tzaddikim of the generation and their madregos. Rabbi Nezal does not say that even he was able to see this or understand this. So we certainly are not capable, I am not capable of seeing this. In that chapter on Likut Iran, Rabbi Nezal gives us an idea of, of the qualities, the qualification of a tzaddik, that a true tzaddik is one who is on such a level <clears throat> that he has memshola, he has authority, and Rabbi Nezal defines what does he use that authority for? He uses that authority to bring people close to Hashem, to inspire and motivate people to come close to Hashem. That's the memshola of the tzaddik. So could be, could be that this is one of the main barometers by which we measure the greatness of a tzaddik, by the tzaddik's ability to inspire and motivate people to come close to Hashem. All kinds of different people on all kinds of different levels. Just one closing piece on, on what we said now. We spoke about this topic of questions which cannot be answered currently, Rabbi Nezal makes reference to this in several chapters in Likut Imran. In chapter 21 in Likut Imran, he speaks about the Yediyah and Bechira, that issue, and he says that these kinds of paradoxes come from Seichel HaMakif. The Sifrei Kabola and Sifrei Hasidah speak about that intellect, that knowledge, which we can absorb into our brain. That's called Pnimi, inner and then there's that seichel, which we're aware of it, but we cannot understand it. We can't process it. That's called a makif. Makif means like a halo, something that's like a circle. Makif means a circle. It's like a halo around the head of the person, but cannot possibly bring it inside. And in chapter 21 in Likut Yaman, Rabbi Nezal speaks about certain makifin, that we today cannot understand. So too in chapter 64 in Likut Imran, there also he speaks about that there are different types of questions. There are questions that are the result of the Shvira Sakelim, the shattering of the vessels that took place when Hashem first created the world. And there are questions that come from the Cholol Haponui, from the vacant space 
we're told that when Hashem first created the world, in order for creation to take place, Kaviochel Hashem had to remove himself to a degree and create a vacant space in which creation should take place. That vacant space, we're told, it's as if Hashem is not present there, or almost completely not present there. And therefore, the questions that come from Cholol Aponi are questions that cannot be answered now at all whatsoever. The questions that come from Shvira Sakelam, from the shattered vessels, when we're told that Hashem at one point attempted to put His light into certain vessels, and those vessels couldn't contain the light, they shattered. There, within the shattered vessels, there's light. There's the light that's there also. Those questions are the ones about which the Mishnah says in Pirkei is, that even an Apikoiris, a person who denies the existence of Hashem, or denies the authenticity of the Torah, there are certain questions that we're allowed to engage in, we're allowed to answer. And, and there are certain, those questions that come from the Shvira Sakelem, whereas those questions that are like those Makifan before we said, that we cannot, those questions we're not allowed to engage in at all whatsoever. Another place in Likut Imran, in the second half of Likut Imran, chapter 7, there also, Rabbi Nezal speaks about questions. There he uses the terminology that there are questions that were, are within time and there are questions that are above the concept of time. Those questions that are within time, it means there's enough time in this world to be able to resolve those questions. Those questions that are above the concept of time, it means that in this world, which is bound by time, in this world, we cannot delve into those questions. And Rabbi Nezal explains there also that what happens is, sometimes in a classroom, you have a teacher and students, and a student asks a question, and the teacher gives an answer to that question. But by giving the answer to that question, that brings up a new question that's more advanced than the first question. And, and then the teacher gives an answer to that question, and it leads... So Rabbi Nezal warns that sometimes when a question is being asked, even if that question could be addressed, the teacher, the rabbi, has to be careful and know that by answering that question, that's going to bring up another question on the screen, a higher level question, which could be within that, within that boundary that we're not supposed to delve into. And this is why we have to be extremely careful when we're studying deep, deep levels. One additional final point, in chapter 55, in the second half of Likut Imran, there Rabbi Nezal says <coughs> a beautiful thing, Rabbi Nezal says. He says that the fact that we have questions about Hashem, that there are things that we don't understand about Hashem, that makes perfect sense. Because if we would understand Hashem completely, then, then Hashem would be on, on our level. And Hashem is not on our level. We can't create an ant. We can't create a leaf on a tree or anything. So Hashem is not on our level whatsoever. So therefore it makes perfect sense that there are questions about Hashem, things about Hashem that we cannot understand. And so too about the great Sadiqim. It makes perfect sense that there are things about them that we cannot understand because we are so far from their level. 
So Rav Zal says that even though you'll find in Likud Yamran that Rav Zal discusses these topics, he discusses questions that can be answered and he discusses questions that cannot be answered or shouldn't be asked, he doesn't go into those questions. He doesn't tell us exactly what they... Because, because he's only wanting to show us and remind us to realize that there are certain types of questions about Hashem, philosophical things, that cannot be resolved at all whatsoever now in this world. And therefore the Torah warns that if a person tries to delve into those things, it's like going into a bottomless pit. A bottomless pit. And the Pesach says, Kol bo'eho lo yeshuvun v'lo yasigu those that enter into there won't come out of there, and they will not achieve the path of life. They won't achieve true, healthy wisdom. We'll hold it over here for now. Next Sunday is going to be the first night of Hanukkah, Mietzeshem. Mietzeshem will try to inform everybody what we're going to do regarding a Shia next Sunday night in Eretz Yisrael. In America, it'll be 9.30 in the morning, but here it'll be already 4.30, <coughs> which is close to Shkia. And Yitzhashem will try to inform everybody what the schedule will be for next Sunday. Wishing everybody a wonderful week. We should be zeichet to absorb all the guidance and aid that, that Rabbein Azal gives us in his Torahs and in the stories revolving around them. Be zeichet to lead good, proper lives and see the Geula Shleimah B'mher B'ameinu. Amen V'amein. Amen.